Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen, and I am joined by my Brooklyn brother, Nick, who now actually lives in the borough of Brooklyn. I am a, an official Brooklyn resident, so all you fucking haters out there who told me I wasn't good enough to be a Brooklyn Nets podcaster, you could just sit on a pile of poop because we made it. Sit on that pile of poop, you haters. Hey, that could have been a lot worse. Sitting on a pile of poop is not that bad. We've all been there. It's not bad. I just recently got a puppy, and I have sat in his poop twice already. But yes, uh, I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's the hottest, hippest area. Just beautiful people everywhere you look. I actually wear really tight black jeans and a clown mask when I walk around, so you'll recognize me. Uh, Relatively close to Barclays Center, so as soon as this shit clears up, we're catching some games. Yeah, I mean, you know Fireside Nets will be some of the first people in there when we are allowed to responsibly watch games in the arena. Uh, But as Nick said, he has moved to Brooklyn. I still reside in New Jersey. Between him and I, we essentially have every single Nets team from the last 30, 40 years covered. Now we just need our, our cousin Ryan in Long Island to root for the Nets, and we'll really have all Nets history covered. Yeah, I don't really understand what history. I, I, if you were talking geographically, I guess we cover the Nets geographically. I don't know where yes. the history came from. Well, the Nets um, geographic history. Anyway, we wanted to start off on a lighter note because I know Nets fans have hit a little bit of a rough patch this past week. Ben, how are you feeling? Not good, Nick. Not good. Awesome. So that's, that's the lightest we're going to get because we got to get right into this awful, shitty news on this shitty Monday night slash Tuesday morning. Uh, Kevin Durant has been exposed to someone who has tested positive for COVID-19. He is facing a seven-day quarantine that will force him to miss the next four games. This sucks because, as we all know, KD tested positive for COVID-19 back in April or May, and the Nets schedule without Durant will be the Jazz, 76ers, Grizzlies, who have already beat the Nets this year, the Thunder, and he will possibly return against the Denver Nuggets or the New York Knicks. How much does this suck? to not have KD this early in the season. It's just been one blow after another and uh, not in a good way. I mean, we've been so disappointed over this last week, even to watching these nets after that 2-0 start deteriorate just a little bit. Uh, weaknesses opened up. Gaps were obviously clear. Just too many things wrong with the team right now that need fixing for our star player to be sidelined with the COVID problem. So obviously we're wishing KD a speedy recovery. We're hoping he wasn't being careless. We're hoping this was just happened to be an, an unfortunate incident Um, where he was doing all the right things and the person he was in contact with just happened to test positive for COVID. Um, With that said, he has a responsibility to his team to not put himself in that situation. So I have mixed feelings about it. In terms of winning games, this puts us in a tough place, especially after last game, officially having a losing record at three and four. I don't see us without KD having an easy road. Uh, uh, The Jazz are a tough team at four and two. The Sixers are dangerous. The Grizzlies, despite beating us in OT without KD and Kyrie, um, I think we have a pretty good shot at beating them. So I, I think the Grizzlies, despite beating us, with, if we have Kyrie back, we could win that game. Thunder, again, hit or miss. I haven't watched the Thunder much this season, but it's going to be tough. It, it sucks, especially when we're getting so much shit right now, and all we need is a couple good turnaround wins to shut all the haters up. Yeah, this feels like uh, that Shane Falco line in the replacements, right? Quicksand. You think that 
one thing's going to go wrong and that's going to be the end of it. But then all these other things start going wrong. This team is not playing great basketball right now and it can't afford to lose literally one of its best players in Kevin Durant. I just want to say thanks for that replacements reference. Keanu Reeves is Shane Falco, Gene Hackman is the co- I mean, that's a classic. What are you afraid of? Bees. That's a good line. Anyway, um, no, there, there's no good way to spin this. Kevin Durant is the best player on our team, and he's already had COVID-19 before, and somehow he was exposed to someone else with COVID-19, and now he has to quarantine, and it just sucks. You're right. Uh, you got to put our players in the safest position possible. You have to put him in a safe position, but this couldn't have happened at, at a worse time. I mean, right now this team is not clicking, and they're going to have to figure it out without KD for the time being. I mean, look at KD's numbers thus far into the season, right? Leading point scorer on the team with 28 points per game, shooting 51% from the field and almost 46% from three. I mean, it, it does not get much better than that. So this is the biggest hit this team could take. Uh, you know, it, a lot is going to be on Kyrie's shoulders. We've seen Kyrie be able to take over a game. We've seen him crumble uh, uh, down the stretch. So it could go either way. We have a Dinwiddie update. Dinwiddie update on Fireside Nets for you. I like that. I like that a lot. Spencer Dinwiddie had successful reconstruction surgery on his partially torn anterior cruciate ligament earlier Monday morning. It was in his knee. Right. Yeah. I just said it the fancy way. The Nets announced the surgery, which was performed by Dr. Riley Williams, the third shout out, Dr. Riley at the hospital for special surgery, no timetable for his return, but many believe it was season ending. You know, I'm, I'm happy it was successful surgery. If it's season ending, I think we were almost expecting that. Obviously, you expect the worst, hope for the best. So if he comes back, that would be great. But I just want to acknowledge the, the name, the hospital for special surgery. Because as soon as you said that, I'm imagining people who lose limbs getting like a monkey arm or like a giraffe leg or like a pig snout. Like you wouldn't think he would be at some sort of orthopedic surgeon that takes care of these sort of like body parts. He has to go to a hospital for special surgery. I don't know. That sounds a little fishy. Dinwiddie is a big conspiracy theorist. So I don't know. Something might come out. Maybe he got more than just a, some knee surgery. Maybe oh. Dinwiddie's got some crazy shit inside of him now. You mean like he's half man, half robot? He just might be. I mean, he, he loves uh, Bitcoin. So maybe he like installed like Bitcoin code into his system. The other thing I find, I don't want to say funny about this, but just like slightly comedic is the, they always say successful surgery. And I always think like, well, what would unsuccessful surgery be? Like, oh, we tried to repair his leg, but no, no go. Didn't yeah, work. I mean, obviously with something like this, there's definitely a smaller chance than, say, open heart surgery. But I'm, you know, one in ten thousand knee surgeries have to go awry, where you know it fills up with too much blood. Or sure, they, they sure. But how muscle. would you word? How would you word that? Would you say like Spencer Dinwiddie underwent unsuccessful knee surgery? You know what I'm saying? I, it just, it just doesn't sound good. You, you maybe not unsuccessful, but think about Alex Smith. I would consider his surgery pretty unsuccessful. He almost lost his leg. Hey, he's on a playoff football team right now, okay? Whatever happened in the past is in the past. The man is playing quarterback in the National Football League, and he almost didn't have a leg. Scratch that. He almost didn't have a life. No, I know. And, hey, I mean, I know we're Giants fans, but if I think if we're going to lose to anybody, it would have to be the comeback story of Alex Smith and Ron Rivera. So, side note, shout out to the Redskins, but we can go back on the Nets. They're not called that anymore. Shit. Uh, the Blueskins. The Washington football team. And, Nick, we're going to get into the Nets right now. But before we do, just want to give a shout-out to Doug Peterson. Hell of a coach. Really 
uh, commend he him. He became the most hated man in the Northeast overnight. Really want to commend him for getting Nate Sudfeld some reps at, at the end of that game. Thought, uh, thought it was a wise decision. Um, definitely wanted to see if Nate Sudfeld had anything left in the tank. He got his answer. But you know what? To everyone hating on Doug Peterson, I don't, I don't see it. Who's hated more on the, in the Northeast right now, Doug Peterson or Donald Trump? Oof. Probably Doug Peterson. It's not even close right now. It might be Peterson. And it's also like Sudfeld I thought was a rookie. This is the last thing I'll say about football. I thought Sudfeld was a rookie, and it was like, let's see what he got. He's been in the league for four years. You're telling me this dude has been in the league for four years, and he went out there and threw the ball as if he didn't even know what shape a football was? Shout out Ron Rivera and Alex Smith. Really, a really cool story over there in Washington for the football team. All right, Nick, let's get to these last three games for the Brooklyn Nets. Let's start with the Washington uh, Wizards game. The, uh, the 0-3 games? Well, it was 1-2. and two. We beat the Hawks. Yeah, but 0-3 in our hearts. I know, I know. Let's start with this Wizards game. We lost 123-122. to 122. Uh, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook played very well for Washington. Beal had 27. Westbrook had 24. Thomas Bryant chipped in 21 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, KD led the way with 28 for the Nets. Uh, Kyrie had 30 and 10. Uh, Kyrie and KD both had shots to win the game at the end of regulation. Kyrie had a, had a pull-up three-pointer. Didn't go down. Kevin Durant got the rebound, missed a mid-range jumper that I don't think I've seen KD miss all year. Like if there's any shot for him that's been automatic, it's been that seven to nine foot mid-range, a step inside the the free throw line jump shot. He has not missed that shot until that play against the Wizards. We go down. But there there was a lot more to this loss than, than just KD and Kyrie missing those shots, Nick. We got a lot of issues getting rebounds. Okay. 13 offensive rebounds for the Washington Wizards. That's, that's way too many. I'm going to say what every Nets fan in the history of the world is thinking. Why didn't Nash put in Jarrett Allen, who had already had a double-double halfway through the third quarter, back into the game with six minutes left when it was clear Washington was only scoring on second chances? That's a great point. I mean, I don't get it. I don't understand why when the one thing you can't really do well is rebound at the end of the game against a team with Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura, two guys who can rebound the ball, you put Jeff Green at the five and KD at the four. It didn't make sense to me. We literally lost because the Wizards missed a shot, got their rebound. Thomas Bryant had, had a dunk from a pass from Bradley Beal. That's how we lost on, on offensive rebounds. And our defense is just not good, Nick. We're just not focused like we were in the first two games. We're not the, we're not the 2017 Warriors or the 2016 Warriors. We're not going to literally score so many points every game that we don't have to play defense. Uh, and and just, just to recap what you're saying, like it's not only that K- – I'm not even going to – I think you said this to me before. We're not going to blame K- KD and Kyrie for that loss by missing those shots at the end. Should two superstars with open looks, especially KDs from about eight feet away with nobody in his face, hit that shot to win the game? Absolutely. But let's talk about beforehand what led to putting them in that situation. And let's be real. I mean, if we look at the numbers, the Nets outshot the Wizards 49% to 41%. And then from three, 44% to 36%. They outscored him from the free throw line, 90% to 74%, made three more free throws total. They out-rebounded them, actually, surprisingly, probably not in the last six minutes. Uh, out-blocked them nine to three. But where we blew the fucking game was we had 20 turnovers compared to the Wizards seven. And if you look at how many field goal attempts we took, we hit 50% of them, but we were 40 for 80. 
The Wizards were, four, were 41%, but they were 43 for 104. So they were nearly 10% less than us shooting the, from, shoot from the field, but somehow still hit three more shots and took 23 more shots. How does that happen? They're just not communicating on both ends of the floor. You saw KD get in Joe Harris's face at one point. He's like, Joe, don't help me. All right. I'm Kevin Durant. I can defend that guy. I don't need Joe Harris helping me on defense. There's a lot of issues with the communication. Did you see see him slamming the ball when Torian Prince didn't give it to him fast enough? Yeah, I did see that. Torian Prince got a rebound. Torian Prince got a rebound and KD's like three quarters of the way down the court. If he just hits him right away, KD's got a wide open dunk. He takes a second to look at him and decide whether or not to do it gives Westbrook just enough, you know, half a second to foul him and, and, and have them check the ball out. And by the time he threw the ball, they'd already caught the foul. KD caught it, slammed the ball to the ground, and looked at Torian Prince and said, get rid of it, get rid of it. Listen, this Wizards team is not a good basketball team. I mean, you look at their three-point numbers, uh, they were awful. Russell Westbrook was terrible until the fourth quarter when the Nets couldn't stop fouling him. And he, he just literally took Kyrie, TLC, to the basket every single time. You know that Bradley Beal is going to give you 30 a night, so you let that happen. But the fact that Westbrook had 24 and 10 and Thomas Bryant had 21 and 14, you had Davis Bertans come off the bench. He hit four three-pointers. That's too many guys that are having good games on the other team, Nick. And Westbrook was a walking brick all night, and they let him pretty much do whatever he wanted in the fourth quarter defensively. So I was really heartbroken about that loss. It's not that they didn't show up. It's that they didn't execute. Um, the efforts. It was a fine. collapse. It, it was, was a cl- collapse defensively, coaching wise, and I, and I love Steve Nash. He made a mistake during this game. The defense was slacking off during this game, and your two best players hit open shots to win the game. So uh, it, it was more of a collapse to me. I'll, I'll give some credit to the Wizards. I do think they have a, a really interesting team of like veteran guards and a bunch of big, strong, young big men who are learning from those guards. So I'll give them a little bit of credit. But at the end of the day, that was that should not have been a loss, no matter how you look at it. All right, let's get to the two games before that. We played the Atlanta Hawks twice. The first game was pretty awesome. We beat the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, The score was 145 to 141. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin were fantastic in this game. Durant had 33 points and 11 rebounds. Kyrie had 25. Joe Harris chipped in 23. You had Torian Prince and and Landry Shamit both shot five for five from the field. Prince had 12 points. Shaman had 14 points. But the Nets shot 54% from the field and 46% from three. They scored 145 points in regulation. John Collins had a great game for the Hawks with 30 and 10. Trey Young with 30 and 11 assists. Um, but, Nick, I mean, this was a great win for the Nets. The only issue is they still gave up 141 points. No, I know. I mean, look, looking at the numbers here, we shot 54% from the field. We shot 46% from three. And the biggest thing I'm seeing here comparing to the Wizards game is eight turnovers, right? So if we are shooting, we have an unbelievable shooting efficiency from our superstars, from Joe Harris, who's been crushing it. Jared Allen and DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan are combined for like 70% from the field. I know they're taking high percentage shots, but still that's a good number to see. Um, my biggest takeaway from this and the Wizards, yes, we're letting up too many points, But let's also take a little bit away from us defensively and put some on the officials, man, because when we thought the bubble was getting soft, they went into 2021 even softer. Like the amount of of frequency to the free throw line in crunch time is unbelievable. And Steve Nash, I have an article here 
of Steve Nash actually telling an official that's not basketball in referring to Trey Young drawing ridiculous fouls, right? Trey Young's a small guy. He's super quick. He's, he's a brilliant player, unbelievable scorer, knows how to use his body. But when referees let players get away with such t- like uh, don't let players get away with like little ticky tacky fouls. Every little piece of physical contact draws a draws you know two shots at the free throw line. It almost elicits this play from the actual players themselves of instead of trying to score, how can I draw a foul? And I know that's been a thing over the past decade. It's not just now, but it's getting worse and worse. And so what Trey Young does is he'll get around a screen, and as soon as you think he's getting around the screen and uh, the defender's hedging, trying to come around, he'll immediately stop and let the defender walk right into him around the screen. There is no way to defend that unless you either switch, which they, in hindsight, should do, or you're able to hedge underneath quick enough and potentially give an open shot. So my problem is, and Steve Nash has a point, right? That Wizards-Nets game with six minutes left to go back was almost hard to watch because Westbrook would just rub his shoulder into somebody and get a foul and then hit two free throws. So I will say the high-scoring game is poor defense for sure, the Nets slack off on defense, but it's also so many goddamn free throws and so many soft calls. You know, if there's three minutes left in any quarter, they're going to rack up another 20 points. You're right, but a few things. I would never put a Nets loss on the refs, especially the ones against the Hawks and the Wizards. We did not play well enough to win those games. So while a ton of calls didn't go our way down the stretch, I wouldn't put that on the refs. The other thing is, if you're the Nets and you understand that that's how the refs are calling the game, you have to adjust. You're right. I saw Westbrook do that every single play, and he kept getting the call, and the Nets did nothing. They didn't do anything. Same thing with Trey Young in two games. Trey, and and I I gave you his stats for the first game. In the second game, he had 21 points and seven assists. They let him do whatever he wanted. And those fouls, if you know that's what he's trying to do, you have to adjust. That's another thing I'm very frustrated with is the Nets have not adjusted anything. The starting lineup has been the same since Dinwiddie's went down with TLC and DeAndre Jordan. Um, The minutes for everyone has pretty much been the same. We have not seen Bruce Brown yet. So I want to get into Nick, this, this loss against the Hawks. We failed to put up a hundred points. We scored 96. The Hawks scored 114. All five of their starters were in double figures. I'm not going to get into everybody who played, but uh, everyone just scored a lot of points, man. Um, and they, this was a bludgeoning. Like we went from beating the Hawks by four points in a really tight game to the Hawks beating the crap out of us with KD and Kyrie both on the floor. It was embarrassing. We were were just awful. You mentioned the the turnovers number in that Wizards game. Um, I'm going to tell you how many turnovers we had right now. And the answer was 15 turnovers. Again, I'm looking at the three-point field goal percentage. We shot 19% from three. We're seven for 37 from three compared to the game before, which was 46. I mean, where the frick is the middle ground there? Yeah, everybody was off, man. Everybody. And you can't depend on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to single-handedly win you games. But Kyrie was off that night. Remember, Kyrie had a terrible shooting night. He was 6 of 21 from the field and 2 of 11 from three-point land. Uh, This is a concern of mine that I addressed a couple episodes ago of riding off of the veterans' momentum. You also ride off of the the veterans' misfortunes, right? Like, we can't expect Joe Harris or uh, Karis LeVert or Torian Prince to come in off the bench when Kyrie and KD are struggling and turn the game around. They're not at that point in their careers, and some of them just aren't a, a talented offensively enough player. So if KD and Kyrie both don't find it and they're putting off this frustrated, 
you know, almost off energy to the rest of the team, that spreads as well. So just as much as that positive momentum is contagious, I think so is the negative. All right, Nick. So since our first two wins of the season, we are one in four in our last five games. Uh, Not very good for those keeping track at home. So I'm going to ask you five tough questions about this team. Are you ready? Yeah. Is Karis LeVert actually not good, and will he end up being a slightly more talented version of Marshawn Brooks? <laughs> it's so insulting to both Karis LeVert and Marshawn Brooks. Uh, I love Marshawn Brooks, but no, he, he never panned out. No, I don't think we could say that right now. I think Karis LeVert has a lot of pressure with the second unit to feel like he has to just take all of the shots and be the star. I'm guessing what these coaches and the organization told Karis LeVert was, listen, you're good enough to start but you're not going to because we want you to be the guy in that second unit. We want you to be the Lou Williams. We want you to be the Jason Terry, the Lamar Odom of this second unit. So when you're out there, you are the star. KD and Kyrie will be resting. And I think a little bit mentally that hit him too hard, that he's almost taking too many shots. He's forgetting there are four other guys on the court. So yes, he's shooting 37% from the field, which is not a good number whatsoever. And he's taking contested shots. He's rushing shot clocks. He's literally looking like a guy who has something to prove when he already proved he's capable, right? I don't know. Maybe he's fighting to be a superstar. Maybe he wants to be in the starting lineup. Maybe he wants a fat contract somewhere else, but he's overdoing it and overexerting himself right now. I think he has the talent to be a great player. I don't think this is the way to get there. He's averaging 13.1 points on 14.6 field goal attempts per game. That's really bad. It's it's Because in basketball – Field goals are worth two points and sometimes even three points. That's true. That checks out. All right. Second question. How is DeAndre Jordan still in the starting lineup? What does he actually do well? He has like one to two sick blocks per game. No, I don't know. It has to be political, man. I was watching the game the other day and it literally looks like sometimes one, he doesn't really care. And two, he has no idea where to be on the court defensively, I watch Bradley Beal or I watch Trey Young drive by their guy and DeAndre Jordan's on the court. You are the biggest, most defensive threatening guy on the court. Why aren't you stepping to the bottom of the paint to contest a shot? And he kind of lets everyone go by him. Meanwhile, Jared Allen is, is putting on a bigger show than he was last year. And he has an even bigger Afro than he did last year. He is literally becoming closer and closer to the player this organization and us as fans envisioned him becoming and yet he's still on the sideline and still not getting put in in crunch time with six minutes left last game, which is one of the biggest reasons we lost. So to answer your question, I think it's political. I think the veterans want DeAndre Jordan starting. I think after a couple more weeks, maybe months, when Jared Allen has literally blown DeAndre's stats out of the water and solidified himself as that center, they will have no option. But at this time, DeAndre will keep his place. You played basketball in high school. When you're defending a pick and roll, if you're the guy, not the guy getting picked, but the guy, the next defender up, what do you have to do in that situation? You have to hedge. And for those who don't know, hedging means when a pick occurs, in order for your guy to come back and recover from the pick, in order for him to get his man again, you have to step towards his man, guard him for a brief second, let your man recover, and then you go back to your original man. DeAndre Jordan doesn't agree with you. What he likes to do is 
sort of try to play both guys at the same time and kind of flash his hand at one guy while the guy either takes a floater right over him or shuffles the ball to the guy right behind DeAndre Jordan for the wide open dunk. He has no idea how to defend the pick and roll. Um, I'll say this. I do think that a change is coming. I think at at some point Nash is going to be like, yo, I can't defend this move anymore. We're opening up games with deficits because of the mistakes that DeAndre Jordan is making. And I'm putting in Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in situations where they're already down eight to 10 points. Like you saw that last game, our starting lineup started really bad. And it, part of it was because of the decisions that DeAndre Jordan makes. He puts our team in holes. All right. Next question. Are we missing a big man and will we need to trade for a power forward in order to be truly complete? So you said it best down the stretch in that wizards game. We had Jeff green at the five and KD at the four. Um, it sounds great to have Kevin Durant as your power forward, you know, starting, but on the rebounding side of things, Durant is not the best rebounder in the world. I mean, defensively, he's fine, but you really think he wants to bang with the likes of John Collins and, and a guy like Rui Hachimura, who's a hustle guy. No, Durant does not want to bang with those guys. So my point is, do we need another power forward on this team or should we just stick with what we have? You know what that lineup was in the last five minutes of the Wizards game? That was the Mike D'Antoni Houston Rockets lineup. That was Mike D'Antoni's influence on the bench telling Nash that we don't need a big man if we have enough off- offensive threats on the court. And that did not work in Houston, and that's not going to work here. So to answer your question, I don't think we need a big man. Okay, what's the perfect scenario, right? We have Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is the big guy off the bench that every single team in the league wants because he bangs with the best of them. He's a scary dude, and he's basically DeAndre Jordan 2.0. And, and, and seven or eight years younger. So with that said, that's not realistic for us. We went guard heavy. We went shooter heavy. I don't think we need that if we have Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. We're grooming Reggie Perry. I think what we do is we go for the smaller lineup, but we still need a, a, a big guy in that small lineup. You could have Jared Allen with four guards. That's fine. I think it made it look like we were short of a big man when, in fact, we had him on the bench. We just didn't choose to play him. I should have uh, explained this more efficiently. When I talk about a stretch four, a big man, I'm talking about more like a Davis Bertans, like a Danilo Gallinari, that type of player that can bang with him, but he can also hit the three. Because you're right, a Montrez Harrell with Jared Allen, that's not going to work. I'm not looking for twin towers down low, but I, I am looking for a stretch four if they're available. Dario Saric is another one. Interesting choice of people you picked. Um... Why? Because they're all not from this country? Yeah, just like foreign. It was like big, slow, foreign white guys. It was like a weird I can, I can think of some more. All Bring right, so, you Turkaloo out of retirement, whatever you want to do. Um, no, you know who we could use? Boki Nakbar. There you go. Shout That's out Boki really Nakbar. But he wasn't really a stretch four. He was more of a three. He was. Uh, I, I don't think so. Again, it's too early to think that we're missing something more than chemistry to me. Because we built this organization very strategically. We built this team uh, bit by bit, starting with like, you know, the likes of Bruce Brown, who we, you know, was, was somehow uh, big news as an acquisition for us. And he hasn't even seen, he's barely seen the court. So I think we were methodical with this team, this starting five and the players who come off the bench with that Karis LeVert, Jared on lineup. It's all well put together. It just needs to be better executed right now. And we need to see a, a higher performance, but I'm not going to say right now that we're missing a piece seven games in when we clearly have some kinks to work out. Question number four was trading for Landry Shamit a bad move. No, but going back to your last question, if you said Landry Shamit or 
a, a bigger body, then that, I think that would be a good question. I think Shamit is a great shooter. I just, like I said before, we are very guard heavy, right? We're now starting TLC. Torian Prince is almost like, I know he's, he could play a three, but he, he plays like a guard. He chucks up a three, he drives. He's a, he's a smaller frame guy. He's not as big as he looked in college, I'll tell you that. So we are guard heavy. Am I going to say watching Shamit play, you know, screw him? No, I think he, he's looked good once or twice. Unfortunately, he shot poorly over these first seven games. But again, he's an amazing shooter. He's the, he's the Joe Harris off the bench for us who could actually create a little bit more than Joey H can off the dribble. So let's give him a shot. You know, could we do it over again? Maybe. Could we do it differently? Maybe. But I think it's too early to decide. All right. Number five, how lucky are we that Joe Harris still plays for the Brooklyn Nets? Oh, man. He, like, Joe Harris is the Brooklyn Nets. He is the core of this team. He has to be the fan favorite, right? Like, who? I mean, maybe the fro, but I got to say Joe Harris right there with him. So I love watching Joe Harris play. When he hits a three, there's no better feeling for me. I jump up in the air give a nice fist bump, slap myself in the face, slap my booty a couple times, but it's amazing to see. I mean, three of my most favorite, just beautiful sights to see, the oceans crashing into the sand, a pizza smoking right out of the oven, a Joe Harris three-point swish. Oh, God. All right, Nick, a few more segments to close out the pod. Let's start with this segment that you came up with. Let's have some fun. I think that's the real thing. I think we talked a lot about a Nets team that needs a lot of repairment. We talked about a Nets team with a, a lot of potential, but over the next four games will be tough to watch without Durant. So let's uh, turn all of this negative energy into positive energy, right? We talked about veterans leading the way. We're kind of two podcast veterans at this point. You got a little bit more of a beard up there. I got a little bit more of a beard down here, but let's talk about headlines. Right? Talking this about segment- your pubes. This segment is called Let's Take Really Mean Nets Headlines and Turn Them Into Nice Headlines. Okay, okay. Sven? Okay, so I'm like going to read you a mean Nets headline, and I want you to find the silver lining. Okay. All right. New York Post said, disjointed Nets have plenty to clean up. Which means if they have plenty to clean up, they have the tools to clean that up. So, you know, it's, it's like if your room is messy, right? It's not going to be messy forever. You're going to put some clothes away. You're going to put your shoes in your closet. You're going to make your bed. And by the end of the day, your room is going to be sparkling clean. I just see it as there are a lot of areas in which they can improve. And I know in my heart of hearts that they're going to do whatever it takes to make this team elite in the Eastern Conference. I love when you talk about your heart of hearts. That really gets me going. All right, number two. Because my heart has multiple hearts in it. That's why. It's like heartception. Right, yeah. From the Daily News, new look Nets look out of sorts on offense and defense. Can you right. turn that into a positive note? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so, it, uh, which means the old look Nets might have been a little bit more successful than this team currently has been. Um, they look out of sorts on offense and defense. Okay, I, I mean, there are a lot more areas to the game than offense and defense. Um, there's team chemistry. There's team camaraderie. Uh, there's just being a good person. I don't see the headline talking about those things. So I still 
think that this Nets team has a lot of chemistry. Sure, offensively, defensively, they're a little bit lost out there right now, but you can't take away the fact that Kyrie and KD seem to be really good friends. TLC, Chris Chayosa, Joe Harris, they seem to be really good friends. And this team just seems like they get along. So you know what, Nick? Even if, if we have a losing season, we miss the playoffs, as long as these guys stick together, I think we're building something really special in Brooklyn. Wow. I love, you know, friendship is the backbone of turning things around. So I appreciate that. Number three from the athletic Nets stink. Um, you know, when I was younger, someone told me that women like a certain stink. So if all these guys are stinking, maybe it's like a good stink. And then like uh, a person that is attracted to them will be like, Hey, I like your stank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to turn it around. Right. Like, Cause like you, good, you, like you've heard, like, a, yeah, you've heard someone say whatever gender they're attracted to, man, they stink really good. I like their stink. I've heard that a couple of times. I also, suppose. Mark right. Schlereth's nickname was stink in football. Cause he used to pee his pants and he's a, he's a champion. He's a Super Bowl winner. Number four from clutch points, the biggest weakness exposing nets, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't really understand that because they're two of the league leading scorers in the game right now. Not really sure that their weaknesses have been exposed. Can Kyrie clean up the turnovers? Can KD rebound a little bit more? Sure. They're still averaging like 30 and 25 a game. I'm not sure how their weaknesses are being exposed. Teams still can't guard Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on a nightly basis. Next. And the last one again, back to the New York post. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, blow it in another careless Nets loss. I mean, if it was a careless Nets loss, that means that if they cared, they would have won. So the only thing that's missing right now with this team is caring about it, all right? Like, you and me go out, if we don't care about something, we're not going to succeed at it. So I, I think that's what they need to work on right now. They need to work on caring slightly more. Um, sort of like how I care about you and, and your well-being, and that's why I call you and text you every single day to make sure you're okay in your, in your new apartment in Brooklyn. And that's why I don't answer. Well, that was it. That's what you have for Let's Take Really Mean Nets headlines and turn them into positive headlines. Thanks, Ben. All right. I have uh, two quick hitters. This first one is called Spen's Joke of the Week. I would like you to rate it one out of five, five being mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Torian Prince, more like Torian makes me want to wince in pain from watching him play basketball. Uh, three out of five. All right. This next one is called Spend Song of the Week. So please rate this one out of five. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, you see him riding in his brand new DeLorean. Is that a prince? Nah, that's just Torian. I'll give that a five. I like that one. All right. Thank you very much, Nick. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Before we end the show, quick shout out to at Brooklyn's Beat. We had him on the podcast last week. He gave us a huge shout out on Twitter, told everybody to follow Fireside Nets, and we got a ton more followers because of it. So if you're a new listener and you're listening, welcome aboard and shout out at Brooklyn's Beat. Thank you, Brookins B. You're my dude. Also, I just want to say to everybody, I know it's been a, a kind of a downer podcast just in terms of the past few games for the Nets, but we have a lot to look forward to. We got we to gotta hammer through this stretch without KD, get a win or two with, on, on the shoulders of Kyrie, hopefully against the Grizzlies and the Thunder on the back end of this four, game, uh, uh, four games in a row. But this season's so early, guys. All right, We have seen glimpses of greatness. 
seven games into the season. It didn't go as perfectly as we wanted it to, but when does it ever, right? Things have to fall into place. Puzzles have to be put together. They don't just fall from the sky and it's a perfect puzzle. Tetris is a tough game, but we'll figure it out. So uh, I'm not ready to end it yet. So we're going to have to, I have one more thing to say. So going off of what you just said, I tweeted something earlier today and I think it really applies. And this is what I tweeted. The night is darkest just before the dawn, but trust me, hashtag Nets fans, the dawn is coming. Hashtag we go hard. Hashtag Brooklyn together. Nick, catch Catch you on on the fire fire side. side.